Today there is no expense spared as our guest is coming all the way from America by the, the miracle of technology. The speaker today is Jay Pathak. He's a senior leader of the Mile High Vineyard in Denver, Colorado. He's actually the guy who wrote the neighbouring course that we used earlier in the year. John and Debbie Wright, who lead the vineyard movement in the UK and Ireland, invited a number of different friends of the vineyard to speak to us as churches over this season, to remind us that we're part of a wider family and to encourage us to keep looking to Jesus in this time. And so Jay has been invited to speak to us today. He recorded this several weeks ago, but I think it's still really relevant to us today. So over to Jay. Hello, vineyards in the UK. I'm uh, coming to you from Denver, Colorado. This is Jay Pathak, pastor of the Mile High Vineyard out here in Denver. And I am honored to come to you in this crazy way on video in the midst of COVID. I think we've all become pretty <laughs> used to this way of relating, but man, what a wild time. I mean, man, one year ago, if someone told you what your day-to-day -day life is like right now, would you believe them? Would you think it was some kind of weird sci-fi movie? I mean, it's crazy. And most of us find ourselves scrambling to figure out how we're going to work and how we're going to raise our kids, how we're going to go to the grocery store, for example, and or just manage being cooped up with our own families. <laughs> We've learned a lot about our own families in this time, haven't we? But it's also a time that we're rediscovering our faith. Um, so many of us are realizing, like, gosh, I didn't have the faith I thought I had. I thought I had a really secure life with God, but man, I'm not doing that well. I'm not who I thought I was. And some of us really realize how much of our faith was dependent upon being in environments with our church families, right? Like being in an environment of worship, being in an environment where you're praying and ministering to one another. And I'm not, I'm not sure that's necessarily a bad thing, but it's kind of a crisis of sorts to realize, wait a minute, I don't know how to do this stuff on my own. And more than that, how do I think about this time with the Lord? Is this um, some kind of horrible moment where God has forgotten us? Or is there some kind of opportunity that I'm supposed to be taking a hold of? And that's really what I want to share with you briefly is, is there a kingdom opportunity? And what I want to ask us to consider is that this opportunity we're in right now with COVID and, frankly, uh, a re-examination of many things. In our nation, every major city has protests and riots in relationship to the murder of George Floyd. And we're all having to reconsider the life that we've lived and um, the, what we've taken for granted and had to look at some of the ugly pieces of our own culture, our own heart. And in this time, I do think we have some opportunities. And the first is uh, an opportunity to not do something. That as God's people, we're challenged in the scriptures to avoid things that other people move towards uh, readily and naturally. 
uh, I've thought over and over in this time about the early church. And my heart and my mind keep being drawn back to this passage in 1 Peter chapter 3. Let me read it for you. 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 13. Peter writes this, Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats, do not be frightened, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. Peter's call is super simple here. And he quotes from Isaiah. And he says, do not fear what they fear. Other translations, uh, quoting, uh, of course, he's quoting from Isaiah chapter 8. Other translations would say, do not call conspiracy what they call conspiracy. Have you heard a few conspiracies going around these days? <laughs> uh, I have. And Peter says, listen, because you're a follower of Jesus, you're not going to be afraid of what they're afraid of. You're not going to call conspiracy what they call conspiracy. Because you worship Jesus. The opportunity, the moment to look different says, do not be afraid. Do not do what everyone else is doing. And Peter's logic is really simple here. He says, by just not being afraid, what's going to happen is people are going to look at you and go, why aren't you afraid? Why are you so different? Why is it that everyone else is afraid and you're not? And you'll be able to say, because I hope in Jesus. I have a life with Jesus. And in that moment, people will be drawn towards the life that's offered in Jesus. His assumption is that you'll be different and that your hope will shine out. It's an assumption. But let's be honest, as we're looking at the way so many people are responding who are believers, who represent the church of Jesus Christ, the terrible news is so many aren't offering hope, don't look more peaceful. Frankly, some that are in the church are making it worse, are making it crazier. And just in case you think about the Bible as some faraway place in some faraway time, you have to remember what is going on when Peter's writing this. He's writing to a disempowered church, people that have no power, they have no authority, they look like some kind of upstart cult. The power of Rome is pulling them into colosseums to be torn apart by animals, to be killed by gladiators. In this time, most commentators would argue that Christians are being lit on fire in the garden parties of Nero. They're being used as human torches. There is a lot to be afraid of. In this time, the majority of the people you're reading about in the Bible are people of color. 
early church fathers are from North Africa and the Middle East. Many of the people you're reading about in the Bible are Middle Eastern. Many of the people aren't white, and so many of the dynamics of what's going on today with racism and systemic injustice were very much in play in this time in Rome. Frankly, what Peter's dealing with is a disempowered church that's really afraid, that's being chased down by the government. They have no economic force. They have no economic power. And in the midst of all of this, he says really simply, don't be afraid. Do not fear what they fear. And what is it that makes it so they cannot fear, that they manage this fear? Peter says it really clearly. Revere Christ as Lord. Set apart Christ as Lord. Sometimes this is translated and actually being derived right from Isaiah 8. Do not fear what they fear, but instead fear the Lord. Put your trust and your heart in Him, not in what everyone else is afraid of. See, to quote from a pastor, Mark Sayers, he's in Australia. He's been saying a little phrase I've been thinking about a lot in this time where he often says, we're living in a culture right now that wants the kingdom without the king. We want all racial inequity to be dealt with. We want all poverty to be dealt with. We want uh, sickness to be dealt with. I mean, imagine if I could wave my hand right now and I could say, in this moment, all racial inequity will be dealt with. There'll be no racism that exists anywhere in our culture. Women will be lifted up. Children will be cared for. The poor will be secured. Healthcare will be available to everyone. Heck, not just healthcare. There'll be no sickness. There'll be no death. There'll be no wars. There'll be no corruption. All you got to do is wave my hand and all that's going to happen. You'd be like, that'd be incredible, except for there's one catch. The one catch is this. You won't have Jesus. You'll have the kingdom, but no king. And sadly, I think many people are pressing and trying to build the kingdom of God on earth without necessarily seeking the king. Listen, here's what I want to say to you. There is no kingdom without the king. There is no kingdom without the king. Where will we get the power to do this great work? Where will we find the inspiration to do this work? Listen, there's been people for a long time, hundreds of years, thousands of years, that have tried to bring about the goodness, the righteousness, the hope of the kingdom from other power sources, from other philosophies. And all you have to do is look around a little bit and realize this doesn't get it done. It slides into some kind of totalitarian corruption one way or another, whether it's political or spiritual. But listen, we are the church of Jesus Christ. And the call of Peter to the early church under Roman oppression, under horrible circumstances and pain and fear is worship the king. UK Vineyard, 
worship the king. Set apart Christ as Lord. So the first opportunity is to not do what everyone else is doing. Do not be afraid. Do not look like everyone else. And I got to tell you as a pastor, and maybe it's different in the UK, but in the US, I've been genuinely discouraged. I'm aware that most of the believers that I'm around are more formed by the news than they are by the scriptures. Their affections are pulled around by a 24-hour news cycle that's talking about the horrific realities of racism, the horrific realities uh, of what COVID is doing to our economies and to our government and to our cities. And they're being formed by this fear. And then I get like, what, my 20 minutes to preach a message. They're not even being informed necessarily by the scriptures. They're being informed and formed and quite literally discipled by the news and by fear and by trauma and pain and misery of what's happening in our world. And then they're trying to kind of press Jesus around the edges of that. Listen to me. As the people of God, fear Christ, seek Christ, revere him, worship him, adore him, fall in love with him. He is more beautiful than you could ever imagine. And when the scriptures say to fear God, what it's really saying is recognize his power, recognize his authority. Let that dictate reality to you. The God who made the universe the God who by his outstretched arm rescued his people from Egypt, the God who came for us in Jesus Christ, who was willing to suffer and die, though he had power to do whatever he wanted. He raised the dead, he opened the eyes of the blind, and he chose to lay down his life for you and me, to pay a price that we could not pay, and to prove that this death was real and for us. He rose again from the dead, and now sits at the right hand of the Father. And one day will come back to judge the living and the dead. He will make all things new again. His kingdom will be brought to bear fully. But now we're in this moment in between. Where we stand as people who are recipients of this kingdom. In our hearts, in our lives. By the presence and power of his spirit. And yet his kingdom has not been fully to bear. Listen. We cannot bring the power and the presence of the kingdom without worshiping or uh, adoring and obeying this King, Jesus. How are your own rhythms going in this sense? Are you finding God in the scriptures? Are you finding him in worship? Jesus says in John 15, Remain in me and I'll remain in you and you will bear much fruit showing yourselves to me, my disciples. Remain in my love and my love will be in you. Listen, in this time where everything's stripped away, there is an opportunity for us to look different than the rest of the world and also worship and find a new place of depth in the presence and the power of Jesus Christ. This is a moment that the church could be strengthened and awakened to the power and the presence of God. May God fill you with his spirit. May he send us to be his people. Now, my experience with those who don't have any life with Jesus is they're going, is there anything to hope in? 
And I'm amazed at how many people I've been sharing my faith with for weeks and months and years that are suddenly coming back toward me and going, remind me again about this thing with Jesus. I mean, I've been amazed to see how Alpha's doing online within our church and around the world. And I've been amazed to see how many folks are joining us online in moments because they want, they need hope. You have hope as a follower of Jesus. And if you're someone that doesn't follow Jesus, this would be the perfect time to say yes to him, to find the hope that cannot be taken from you. May God bless you. Thank you for letting me share this time with you. May the Lord be with you. May he bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. For he is Lord and he will make all things new again.